You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. And we are live with the Standing Room Spartans podcast. Your host, Kevin Parker, your co-host, Scott Martin here. Apologies again. I feel like I've, I've been saying this for two weeks now. Uh, my internet at my apartment has been just god-awful, and we're trying to get it all fixed. So we're, we're finding ways around it. I'm recording on my phone with my Apple headphones, so the, the audio quality isn't perfect, but... Thankfully, Apple actually makes a decent product here. The headphone or the, the microphone is, is pretty decent. So hopefully you guys can bear with me. Uh, I'd rather have not perfect audio quality than the scratchy cutting in and out internet that I'm sure everybody has heard once or twice on a podcast. So um, I, I'd rather have it smooth sailing without, uh, without all of that. So with that out of the way, Uh, It is actually we're recording this all a bit early this week because I will be out of town this weekend. I'm heading to the mountains for a little bit of hiking. And so it is Tuesday morning. We're recording here uh, to to preview a Maryland football game on Saturday, 4 p.m. I think I saw I I, I need to double check that. Uh, But Scott, Tuesday morning here. How are you? Crab cakes and football, Kevin. Uh, I'm doing good. I think this is a really interesting matchup. Um, there's plenty to be optimistic about and a little bit to be nervous about, uh, which we'll get into. But in any case, uh, we are three quarters of the way through the regular season, which seems hard to believe. And I am going to enjoy every game we have left uh, for better or for worse. I, I had the realization last night that uh, we're looking at week 11 now. And if you can believe it, the college football season is almost kind of over. Um, I hate I to put it that way. It sounds sad, but it snuck up on me. But all of a sudden, we're nine games in. We got three left plus a bowl game. And, uh, yeah, that's that's hard to believe. So, like I said, I'm just and you enjoying. Know what's, what's really nice What's really nice is that we, we have that guarantee of a bowl game. Like, if, if we were kind of thinking about where we were before the season started and we were worried about, you know, we could have – three football games left right now we at least have that guaranteed fourth there's usually a couple weeks between the last game and the bowl game so we still got a you know as as far as calendar time left we we still have quite a ways to go but um yeah without that bowl game assurance like maryland currently said that five wins uh the the season would be very quickly ticking down 
Yeah, and actually we can start looking at um, where we may fall in the Big Ten East standings. Right now we're guaranteed at least fifth. If we win this game, we'll be guaranteed at least top four, um, which is exciting. Uh, After everybody, not everybody, again, a lot of folks had us in the bottom one or two in our division. Um, It's it's exciting to see this flesh out. Obviously after this week we'll have an even better idea of where things stand. If Michigan takes care of business against Penn State and we take care of business against Rutgers, we're guaranteed the top three in the division, which um, again, right now it doesn't seem that surprising, but if you take our minds back to where we were going into the year, um, just an awesome spot to be in and hopefully we'll keep on rolling. Yeah, so we're back in the woodshed here. We're not traveling to Maryland, but Scott, have you ever been to Maryland? Um. I have, well, I've been to DC, so I'm sure I've been through Maryland, <laughs> um, but I don't think I've spent any meaningful time like in Maryland, uh, maybe just passing through. I can't, yeah, I can't remember any specific time spent in the state. Yeah, we, I've, I've never been to, I think it's College Park is the campus for Maryland, but I've spent a little bit of time in Maryland. I had a lacrosse tournament back in high school in the Baltimore area. Uh, so, we, so we were just outside of Baltimore. We spent some time in Baltimore. We went to Annapolis, which was pretty cool. Um, not quite as cool as, as I've heard from many people who have been to West Point. They say that is just an incredible experience. Annapolis was, it was interesting. It was cool, but um, no, Maryland, very good seafood. And as of the last few years, not very good football. We'll get to that here, but before we do, a word from our partners over at DraftKings. Football fans, if you are like us, you're listening to this podcast. Of course, you're a football fan. You're probably watching some college football. You're probably watching some NFL football. We got another week ahead of us here. DraftKings has another awesome promotion. New customers who bet just $1 on either team to score can win $100 in free bets. When a team scores, you score. If DraftKings Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, DraftKings won't leave you empty-handed. Everyone can play for huge cash prizes all season long with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Sports Contest. DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code TPPN for the Pigskin Podcast Network of which we are a proud member, bet $1 on either team to score, and you win $100 in free bets. If they score, you score. With promo code TPPN this week at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only, minimum $5 deposit required, uh, $1 wager required, one per customer. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details. Gambling problem. Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Scott, where are we going to start here? We need to, to talk about this Maryland football team. They're 5-4. and four. They are knocking on the door of a bowl berth. They have been for a couple weeks now. And, uh, yeah, they, they took down Indiana a couple weeks ago, their first win in it felt like a long time for Maryland. They, they actually started off this season, uh, it was 4-0. Uh, I'm looking at the schedule right now. They had 
a win over West Virginia in the non-conference, and then they took care of business against Howard, Illinois, and Kent State, dropped the next three, beat Indiana a couple weeks ago, and is coming off of a loss against Penn State at home in what is like a pseudo-rivalry game. I think Maryland acknowledges that it's a rivalry, but Penn State just kind of ignores it completely. Uh, but yeah, Maryland coming into this game five and four. I don't know where, where do you want to start when we look ahead to this matchup on Saturday? Well, after the Purdue game, um, maybe picking at the scab a little bit. The first thing that comes to mind is how does, uh, how does Maryland do against teams that are, are not great stopping the pass? So I did a little research against FBS teams, Maryland, when they're playing an FBS team in the bottom half of passing yards allowed per game, they are 4-0. And when they are playing a team in the top half of passing yards allowed per game, they are 1-3. So when they play teams that are good against the pass, they lose. And when they play teams that are bad against the pass, they win. Um, and I think we all know which bucket we fall into. <laughs> Michigan State is dead last in the country now after that last game with 350 passing yards allowed per game. Second to last is at like 340. So we got a pretty healthy margin in that respect. If that's something we're looking to uh, to stay in last place in, we've we've got a little buffer. Um, so that's that's where my mind goes first. And there's plenty – I mentioned there's plenty to be optimistic about. We'll get into some other areas of uh, how we may win this game. But, Kevin, that's my first thought. Uh, yeah. Talia Tagovailoa loves to throw the ball. Not always great at it, but he can – he's one of those guys where he can put up 400 yards and in, in five touchdowns in a game, or he can put up 150 yards and throw six picks in a game. So what are you expecting out of that? Yeah, obviously the younger brother of Tua Tagovailoa. I'm sure you'll hear that on the broadcast three or four times. Uh, it's one of those, you know, it's it's gotten to the point this year with Cal Halliday where every broadcast team needs to mention how much they love that he doesn't wear tape or gloves, right? It's It's like every single week because, you know, this broadcast team, it's their first time covering Michigan State, and they want to make sure you know that, uh, that Cal Halliday doesn't wear gloves and that they love him and he's just a football player, right? You're going to hear that Talia Tagovailoa, the younger brother of Tua, as if we, we aren't aware that that is a, a really common last name to play quarterback. Uh, but no, the, the thing with the Maryland passing game is they lost two of their top three wide receivers earlier this year. Dante Demas was their number one guy. He was averaging over 100 yards a game. He went down to a season-ending injury. He was their number one. Their number two or three guy, Sean Jones, he went down, I think it was week one against West Virginia, season-ending injury. So they've been just kind of trying to figure this thing out and, and who are the weapons to, to throw to. In a high-powered passing offense, you lose two of your top three wide receivers. Puts you in a pretty tough spot. Rakim Jarrett is their number one guy. Uh, he was a former five-star recruit. Uh, he's one of those, you get the ball in his hands and you let him do some stuff after the catch. He's, he's a little bit like Jaden Reed in that sense. Um, he's, a, he's a pretty good route runner. He can get you downfield, but he's at his best when he has the ball in his hands. He's making people miss. So Kim Jarrett, look for him on a lot of quick stuff, a lot of bubble screens, a lot of hitches, things that we've seen people beat us 
before. That's that's what they're going to try to do with Rakim Jarrett. Uh, but behind him, they've really just been searching for who are those consistent weapons going to be. Uh, Carlos Carrier, he's a senior. He hasn't really had a whole lot of production in his career. He had a monster game against Indiana in their in their win. Um, maybe he steps up again. They have a tight end, uh, Chigosium Okonkwo. I think I nailed that. He had 12 catches for 85 yards against Penn State. He looked like a, a pretty sure-handed guy, pretty athletic guy. Um, so, so the tight end is somebody to think about after, again, we saw last week against Purdue, they, they had a backup tight end that was doing some damage against us. But behind that, they, it's been a lot of inconsistency. I've, I was watching their games. They, they've had a lot of drop passes. Um, so Talia, he's, he's kind of doing the best he can. But at the end of the day, there's, there's two things that are really holding him back. Number one is just the lack of weapons after those injuries. And number two Dude, this offensive line is bad, and it just came at time and time again against Penn State where if if Tagovailoa is able to get to his first read and he can get the snap, quick hitch, throw it in you know under two seconds, he's okay. He's going to put it on the numbers. He's going to put a pretty accurate ball, but if that first read isn't there for him, the offensive line is just an open gate He'll have two or three rushers in his face. He's going to try to run around. He's going to try to do something. And that's where you mentioned he can have some games with, with three, four, five, six interceptions because he, he does try to do a little bit too much when it's not available for him. So I think, you know, as far as a key for Michigan State, something we haven't been able to do or just have refused to do all year long is take away that first read, playing press coverage, playing tight coverage, uh, playing some man-to-man, that could mix up this Maryland offense. And that's something that's really given them trouble. If we sit back in this little cover three and bail out of the corners and, and allow him to just make an easy read, throw a quick ball, and, and let some of these guys make plays after the catch, that's where you can start getting into a little bit of trouble with this Maryland offense. But if if you take away that first read, and you're able to get pressure on him, which you should be able to. Again, this offensive line is terrible. Uh, that's where Tagovailo is is forced into a lot of mistakes. I think that uh, Iowa game earlier this year was, I think it was a Friday night, right? And and Tagovailoa threw five interceptions, and it was just one of those one of those days. You know, I, I don't think we're going to pick him off five times. But if, if we try to mix things up a little bit, you know, I know we have our scheme and we stick to it for better or for worse. And to a certain extent, I respect that. But at a certain point, you have to start throwing some other stuff at these college quarterbacks. It's the, the excuse of, well, we got a bunch of transfers. We got a bunch of young guys playing. That works for the first half of the season. But, you know, these guys are in meetings every single day for the last, what, five months, four months. I mean, at a certain point, it's it that excuse has run its course. You have to be able to start putting some new things on their plate, putting some new coverages on their plate, putting some new blitz packages on their plate. They should be able to handle that by now. So I'm really interested to see if we start mixing some things up with coverage. Yeah, yeah, that's the story, and that's the first thing to watch in this game. How quickly can Maryland get the ball out? Our pass rush was pretty quiet last game against Purdue they did a great job getting the ball in and out of the pocket quickly um and and Maryland's gonna have to do the same thing if we can hold them like you said the second and third reads I think we'll get home a little bit more 
Tagovailoa obviously is is a pretty athletic guy as well, so you got to make sure you contain the pocket. But our defensive line's done a good job against mobile quarterbacks in that respect so far this year as well. Derek King really had trouble getting outside the pocket and others. So, um, so that's the first thing to watch. And again, we're not giving predictions on scores or anything today. That's going to have to wait for picks. Um, so I won't say necessarily whether I think we're going to get burned there or not. Um, but that is kind of our first key to the game is how well can we respond after Purdue really laid out a blueprint uh, for a passing, a high passing percentage offense and uh, Maryland's guaranteed going to try to do the same thing. And are these corners healthy enough, right? I mean, we saw Brantley just have to fight through a shoulder injury because whether it was his decision or the coaches just say like, Hey, you're the only guy who can go out there and play. Kimbrough's banged up. Ronald Williams banged up. Um, you know, at a certain point, it's it's kind of just the reality of the situation where if you're healthy enough to play, uh, you got to get in there and you got to make plays. You got to play well, uh, or else you know get off the field. But w- the depth is huge, and I I brought this up on Twitter. I don't even know if we said it in the last podcast. Somebody responded to us on Twitter that we didn't really bring it up much on the podcast, but. The, the, the health and the depth is really being tested. I would love to have Kalon Gervin still in the building. I got yelled at that take on Twitter. Oh, Kalon Gervin sucks. Well, he got picked up immediately in the transfer portal by, oh, Wisconsin, one of the best defenses in the country every single year. I think they know what they're doing. So, yeah, having Kalon Gervin would be really nice right now, having another body that we can throw in there. But uh, the depth is really being tested right now. And, and we didn't see Lowry last week, so – um, you know, Maryland's another team that likes to spread it out with three, four wide receivers at times. We'll see who we get out there. There was a lot of Justin White last week. Um, we'll, we'll see if that's another thing that we're going to see. But, man, it's, it's, it's tough sledding for these corners. Yeah, so we'll have to keep an eye on that. I, I like what I, we saw from Chuck Brantley last week, but um, he was clearly banged up. And you never know how much damage he really did to that shoulder throughout the game, staying on the field and taking hits on it. Hopefully he's uh, he's in good shape, better shape than it looked like. But um, that brings us to the other side of our defense, the rushing defense, which again, I don't really think is going to be a huge factor uh, in this game. I think we, I mean, Maryland, they, they're just like Purdue. They, they run enough to keep you honest, but their entire team has a thousand passing yards or excuse me, rushing yards so far this year, they're averaging 3.4 yards per carry um, and a dozen rushing touchdowns. And I mean, that's just not the most intimidating numbers at the end of the day. So I think in combined with the the shakiness of this offensive line, I think our our front six, if you will, shouldn't have too much trouble um, slowing that down, shutting it down and forcing them to be one dimensional. So I want to mention it uh, because it is half of the defense, but, uh, I don't think it'll be a big factor in this one. I think it'll be similar to Purdue. It's it's gonna our defense is gonna live and die in our uh, in our pass coverage. But any notes there on the on the rush defense? Yeah, yeah. They they got a couple mostly just power backs, and you look them. They're both uh, two guys. And Fleet Davis, they're both 220 pounds. They're both yardage guys that the passing offense. 
All right. Sounds like we are losing Kevin for a minute. Oh, and we lost him all together. So I will continue this until he jumps back on with us. Again, apologies. The internet's been a, a constant challenge really the last couple of weeks, but we're going to get this sorted out for you. Um, in any case, we're going to move over to the Michigan State offensive side of the ball. Um, and it starts obviously with, with Peyton Thorne through the air. And Thorne coming off of uh, a couple hit-or-miss starts. I think uh, he looked great to start the season against uh, slower competition. And uh, he's, uh, he's struggled to find his feet a little bit against higher competition. This Maryland defense, though, is, I mean, we've made a lot of comparisons to the Purdue game and, and what we'll see from Maryland versus what we saw from Purdue um, this Maryland defense is a lot worse than the Purdue defense. Um, they've, <laughs> in most of their games against the Big Ten opponents this year, they've really struggled. Uh, they've only held one Big Ten opponent below 30 points. Um, it, that was Illinois, 20-17. to 17. The next lowest scoring output by an opponent for them was was 31 points by Penn State, 34 points to Mar- uh, Minnesota, 66 to Ohio State, 51 to Iowa. Uh, that's that rounds out their Big Ten slate so far. So this this Maryland defense, and they've gotten beat through the air. They've gotten beat on the ground. Uh, they just really struggle to slow anything down. So when you look at Peyton Thorne, um, I think this is an opportunity for him to really test out some things, um, find his groove a little bit again after, like I said, some up and down starts the last few weeks and, uh, and, and really have a, have a clinical um, kind of approach to this one. I don't think he's going to be asked to do too much, especially if the game flow uh, works in our favor. Um, but I think we've got Kevin back now. Kevin, uh, as you look at Peyton Thorne throwing the ball in our passing attack in this one, what sticks out to you? Yeah, I just, just want to say, if, if anybody's listening and getting frustrated with the, the connection problems from our side, trust me, I am a hundred times more frustrated than you. So apologies again. Um, no, I, like you, you ran it down there. Like Maryland's defense, they're giving up a ton of points. They're giving up a ton of yards. Um, I, I don't know if, if you mentioned like Indiana scored over 30 on them with a true freshman third string quarterback and Stephen Carr. I was, I was bringing this up here. Uh, Stephen Carr, the Indiana running back, he has had over a hundred yards in three games this year. It was at Western Kentucky. It was at home against Idaho and it was at Maryland and, and Maryland was actually his highest yardage output of the season. He had 136 yards and two touchdowns. His Maryland defense is just not good. Um, there's not really any ways around it, but yeah, with Peyton Thorne, I, you know, we, we started to see him get, get back on track a little bit at times last week, but you know, we, we were criticizing a little bit uh, on the offensive side of the ball, just the, the way we were trying to, to throw the ball downfield. It seemed like every play instead of just kind of calling some quick game stuff, letting him get into a rhythm and, and using the personnel that we have available. Jalen Naylor isn't in the game. We don't have that game breaking speed on the outside on the opposite side of, uh, of Jaden Reed. So use Trey Mosley underneath. That's what he's good at. Use Montori Foster and some crossing routes and stuff and try to get Peyton Thorne in a little bit more of a rhythm here. Um, I think this is a good opportunity to do it, especially with two huge games looming at the end of the season. 
I would like to see Peyton Thorne get a lot more comfortable here. Offensive line shouldn't have too many problems with protection, even if Jarrett Horst isn't available. Again, this Maryland defense, they, they try to mix it up a little bit on the defensive line. They'll, they'll have two guys down. They'll have three guys down. They'll have four guys down. They'll overload one side of the line. They try to do a lot of different things to mix it up, but there just isn't the talent to get home. So I, I think this is a good opportunity for Thorne to get, to get back into a little bit of a rhythm. Yeah, and uh, I think it's, like I said, great opportunity for Peyton Thorne, but an even better opportunity for Kenneth Walker. Um, our offense really, honestly, as you look at, at the results that we've had, has kind of lived and breathed through Kenneth Walker. I, we've mentioned I'm, it's going to be questionable what, we, what our rush offense looks like without him. I think he's made uh, the team itself look like a much more well-rounded rushing team than, than maybe we would be. Uh, with an average running back back there. Uh, you know, last week we mentioned he had a quiet 150 yards. It didn't look like we were opening up a whole lot of holes against Purdue last week, and he still had a really great performance by typical standards. Um, and I think this this defense we mentioned is, is, is not as good as Purdue's. So I think that's combined with the fact that Maryland has a high-power offense who loves to throw the ball a lot, I think – running the ball is going to be a key, you know, and, and I know Mel Tucker hasn't been as focused on time of possession and holding the ball and keeping your, his offense on the field as much as possible, as much as let's say Mark D'Antonio was. But I think with what we saw from Purdue and what we know Maryland's offense can do, if they find something they like in their playbook, I think we're going to be trying to run the ball quite a bit. Um, I mean, at the end of the day, if you want to win games, you, you put the ball in the hands of your best offensive player. And that's Kenneth Walker. And, uh, and I mentioned if the game script is in our favor, we're only going to do that more. I think this is an opportunity for him to really solidify himself in the Heisman race with a couple tough matchups coming up on the heels of this one. Um, I do think the staff, I mean, their first priority is to win the game. But, Kevin, when you look at Kenneth Walker, how much do you think the staff um, keeps that in the back of their mind when they're playing call or calling plays? I, it's tough. Because I, I know the staff understands what the, the stakes are, and they understand that they have a guy with a chance. At, he's number two in Heisman voted, or uh, betting odds right now, according to almost every betting site. And I, the staff knows that. They're not blind to it. I know there's the whole, uh, you know, oh, we don't read the press clippings and stuff. They, they know. Uh, they're getting asked about it every week. But at the end of the day, I, I mean, it is, like you said, they're, they're trying to win games. And, and Kenneth Walker, I think he would be the first guy to tell you he just wants to win. It, he doesn't really seem like the kind of guy that, that cares about the personal accolades and awards and stuff like that. But I think there, there is a certain side of, you know, if, if we are to, let's say, get up bigger, um, I, I would think that they're going to give him a few more carries rather than pulling him earlier. Uh, I think that's where it starts to come into play. I think when you're looking at a one, two score game, I don't think that, that that's in their mind at all. I think they're just calling the plays that they think are going to move them down the field and score points. But I, I think where it might come into play is, is let's say, and I don't even necessarily think this is going to happen. We'll see. 
let's say this is a three-score game at halftime. You know, Michigan State just built up a big lead at home. Everything's working. Uh, we're typically, like we saw against Youngstown State, let's just, hey, we're, we're saving our guys. We got a couple big games ahead of us. Let's, let's pull them early and, and let them get some rest. Maybe that's a situation where at this point in the year, you know the stakes, you know his opportunity ahead of him, and maybe you give him a couple more carries there in the third quarter, even into the fourth quarter, if he's ripping off chunk gains and, you know, either getting out of bounds and not taking many big hits, you know, you just kind of tell him, hey, we're going to put you out there until you want to, to, to come out, right? Just don't be stupid. Uh, you know, that's, I think, more where it comes into play. But on a down-to-down basis in a, in a close, competitive game, I, I really don't think that that comes into their minds play calling at all. I think Kenneth Walker, regardless, though, has a huge opportunity here to, to really put together another, like you said last week, a quiet 150. Maybe this week is another loud 200. Uh, I think, like I said, Stephen Carr ran for 136 on these guys. Indiana hasn't been able to run the ball all year. Uh, this is a big opportunity here for Kenneth Walker to cement himself because, you know, we've talked about it, and, and I don't want to turn this into a Kenneth Walker Heisman podcast, but the other guys just haven't really taken that mantle. I, I watched C.J. Stroud against Nebraska. Nothing really special. He, he's got special, special, special wide receiver talent around him that make him look a lot better, and, and he's a good quarterback, but he's not a, a clear Heisman guy, right? The same goes with Bryce Young at Alabama. So I, I think as far as an individual basis, Kenneth Walker has put himself in there for a reason, and, and he's going to keep himself there this week. Yeah, and you hope Heisman voters would watch what's behind him. And this is no nothing against Jordan Simmons or anyone else who's taken a carry from Michigan State, but it's pretty clear um, when you watch Kenneth Walker's tape that he's making a lot out of – some of these plays, there's not a lot there. You mentioned with guys like C.J. Stroud or um, even Matt Cor- Corral or um, Bryce Young that they've got a lot around them, and their scheme is helping them quite a bit to make them look really solid. Kenneth Walker, honestly, I'd say is behind a pretty average rushing offensive line. Um, we've had games where we've opened some holes, and we've had games where we've really struggled to get a push, and he's still found uh, – Northwestern comes to mind where almost all of his yardage came – outside the tackles um, he's doing a lot on his own and still putting up numbers that are putting him right in the middle of this conversation. And, and does last year's voting give you any more confidence for this year? Cause for so long, it was just quarterback, quarterback, quarterback. And for the first time in, I mean, almost literally forever, we saw the, the Heisman voters say, you know what? there was this Alabama quarterback who put up a ton of yards and a ton of touchdowns, but it was more of a product of not only the system, but this special wide receiver, let's give it to the wide receiver. Like, does that kind of give you more confidence that maybe when they look at a Bryce young or a CJ Stroud or a Matt Corral, that maybe these Heisman voters are starting to take that into consideration a little bit more that, that these guys have a lot more help around them and, you know, when it comes to individual performance, there's one guy that's kind of standing on his own. Yeah, I think it, it certainly does give me some confidence. And I think for a long time, you know, there was a there was a transition period in the game of college football, right? Where previously it was a lot of power offenses, a lot of, you know, QBs were um, not 
always the center point. You know, you wanted to run the ball, you passed when you had to, um, and the passing game was very static. Now, you know, let's take Ohio State, right? You throw a crossing route to uh, Chris Olave, and it's a five-yard dump-off route that goes for 60 yards and a touchdown, and all of a sudden the quarterback has a 60-yard touchdown on the books. Um, and that's not everything. I mean, they, all these guys have made good throws, but I think voters are starting to understand that the game of college football has made the quarterbacks look a lot better when you compare them to what the game used to be. And, and I think it's starting to take a really exceptional talent to stand out from that. I mean, Joe Burrow had an insane season uh, altogether, but you look at guys like Lamar Jackson where they had a little bit of something else that not every great quarterback brings to the table and that's what set them apart and I think voters are starting to see that in um in these passing offenses I mean you've got some of the top passing quarterbacks in the in the country right now not even really getting chatter in uh in the Heisman talks and that's just because voters understand now that quarterback stats look gaudy and um, and they're looking for guys who stand above the rest and bring something different. And I think Kenneth Walker does that. You know, he's he's clearly not running through an open lane for eight yards and then making things happen in the back end of the defense. I mean, he's making guys miss in the backfield or running to the edge at the line of scrimmage and then getting his yards or making the guy miss. So um, it'll be interesting to see where the voting comes out. But I do think they're clearly recognizing it. Um, it's clearly a good year to be a running back in the Heisman voting. Uh, or the Heisman race, you mentioned that a lot of these quarterbacks really haven't taken hold of uh, of the race. And and if they haven't done it yet, it's going to be hard for them to, to really separate themselves at this point. They might still win, but it's going to be hard to have a clear winner um, at this point in the season. So, yeah, like you said, we'll try not to spend – we probably already spent uh, <laughs> enough time on that on that topic. But Hey, man, we, we haven't had a legit Heisman – like contender since Lorenzo White and yeah. I wasn't really around for those days. So it, it's exciting. I, it's I mean, new it's, to us. it's yeah. extremely exciting as, as any college football fan will tell you outside of like Alabama and Oklahoma, they've been pretty spoiled recently, but anyone else, man, it's, it's really cool to have one of your guys up there. And, and for the first time in 20, 30, 40 years, like we, we got that guy. So it's, it's yeah. pretty cool. To bring it back to what we're looking at this week, um, I'll highlight one game. When Minnesota played Maryland at home, uh, they ran the ball 56 times, which I don't expect us to run it that many times, but 56 carries for 326 yards and four touchdowns on the ground. Um, and and their number one and their number two running backs for the year were injured. So that's with their third, fourth, fifth string guys. So – all we're saying is it could be a good week for Kenneth Walker. It could be a great week for Kenneth Walker. I think if it's working, that that's what Jay Johnson's going to go to. First, second, third choice is going to be a running play. Uh, put the ball, like I said, in the hands of your best player and let him go to work. Um, run that clock. Keep that passing offense off the field. Protect your defense after what happened last week. And, uh, and I think our offense should be able to, uh, to hum in this one. And it, it may be a shootout, but if nothing else, we should at least be able to score some points on the offensive side. Yeah, and, and I mean, other than that, 
it, it comes down to obviously something that we haven't talked about yet, but something that has suddenly become extremely important in special teams where we have a punter who individually we know is, is extremely talented and is very good at what he does and Bryce Berenger, but a general punting unit, which has made some mistakes recently that have cost us. And, and we'll see how that plays out. We have a true freshman kicker who is, who was in last week. Coughlin, we're not, we don't know. Mel Tucker doesn't update us on injuries. Will we have our starting kicker back this week? I don't know. Uh, or what, was it Steven Rusnak who, who was the kicker on, uh, on Saturday against Purdue and, and shanked one, even the extra points, they didn't look pure. I, I mean, just as a, as a former kicker, these are things I pay attention to. Uh, it, it wasn't super confident. It wasn't super confidence inducing as, as a fan. Um, so can we get our kicker back? That would be nice. He wasn't really making it to the end zone either on the kickoffs. So that could be something that plays into it when you're giving the opportunity to uh, opposing teams to get good field position in the kick return game. That can make a difference. Uh, special teams was pretty much a disaster last week. And so, you know, what have we done to, uh, to make adjustments there or to just get our guys healthy there? And, and that's going to be something that I think is a storyline that, you know, when last week we come out of it and it's all about the pass defense, and rightfully so. But I, I want to make sure we're, we're keying on this special teams unit. Again, just complete disaster in, in all phases last week. Yeah, I mean, that's where the chaos comes in. Special teams, you got to look at turnovers. Uh, we can't be turning the ball over in this game. Um, I mean, we mentioned last week after the Purdue game, or I guess this was, that was earlier this week, um, we shot ourselves in the foot time after time. When you look at what happens in trap games and how you end up losing trap games, it's turnovers, it's penalties, it's big mental mistakes. And that's what happened to us. And that's what gave Purdue an opportunity to upset us. And we can't give Maryland the same opportunity. Um, I mean, Maryland's not as good a team as Purdue at the end of the day. They're not, mm -hmm. they have far more holes, but when you have a high powered passing attack, if it gets rolling, and you find yourself in a shootout, and you find your defense on its heels, um, maybe with a thin secondary, anything can happen, and you, you got to take control. The first mistake Michigan State made last week was not taking control of the game when they got the ball first. They turned it over right away. They gave Purdue confidence with an early score, and uh, we know what happened after that. So the first key here, get the ball score the ball, take control of the game, and, and give Jay Johnson opportunities to open up the playbook and you know, slow down the game. Obviously, a lot was made uh, two weeks ago now of the coming back from a 16-point deficit against Michigan, coming back from a first-half deficit as well. But this is a team that, by and large, this year has been playing from the front. Uh, there was, uh, I think, only two games this whole year now that we were trailing at halftime and it was the last two weeks. It's been a team that's largely had a lead early in the game and, and found a way, be it with Kenneth Walker, be it with a lot more easy throwing windows for, um, for Peyton Thorne. Uh, it's a team that that's a lot more comfortable in the lead than we are from behind. And again, we, we saw a good comeback against Michigan, a historic comeback against Michigan, if you will. 
Uh, but that's not the position I think this team wants to be in. And, you know, that, that sounds dumb because obviously no football team is going to want to play from behind, but this team, especially, I think with the way that we run the football, with the way that we play our defense, I think it's a lot more geared towards playing with a lead than it is playing from behind and and having to on defense, having to get the ball back to your offense and and score to come back. And, And that just makes a big difference. Get a lead early, sit on that lead, use Kenneth Walker, play good defense, get after the quarterback. You know, let's, let's get back to that side of things where I think we're going to give up some passing yards and, and we can live with that as long as we're making those chaos plays, as long as we're getting sacks, we're forcing turnovers. And I think those are all things we should be able to do, even with a depleted secondary, because, you know, we looked at, okay, Uh, Our corners, not super healthy. Well, their wide receivers, not super healthy. So I don't think that's really an excuse this week, to be be completely honest. So, um, yeah, yeah, get a lead early and and try to sit on it. All right, so as is tradition to close out this episode here, we have our over-under from our friends at DraftKings Sportsbook. Currently, it's a big number by Big Ten standards. Currently, we're at 61.5, and they are putting Michigan State at a 13-point favorite, so they're projecting a score around 37-24. That's a lot of points on the offense. For Maryland standards, it's kind of a lot of points for their offense against Big Ten teams, but it doesn't seem out of the question for them to be able to get that kind of points in this game. So, Kevin, uh, over under 61.5, we're obviously saving our predictions for the Picks podcast later on Friday. But uh, just looking at total points in this one, how do you see it playing out? Man, I, I already bet the over. I think uh, after watching Purdue last week, I, I can't imagine a situation where Maryland scores less than 20. I, I, I don't think it's going to be a situation where we can just shut them out. And if, if that does come into fruition where Maryland only scores 17 or 20 points, the 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 result of that is going to be well we got some turnovers and that puts Michigan State into some short fields and allows us to run up a score so I think if if the game kind of plays out as expected it's going to be pretty high scoring Maryland's going to be able to move the ball up and down the field on us with that passing attack Um, again can we play that red zone roulette and keep them out of the end zone instead of forcing field goals is going to be the key there um, and if the game gets out of hand in our favor, I think it's it's due to some turnovers, some short fields, and Michigan State being able to put up 38, 45, 50 points. I mean, it's it's not out of the question. And then if the other thing happens where Maryland finds a way to win this game, Maryland is not winning a 24 to 21 football game. Maryland is winning a 48 to 45 football game. So I, I think almost no matter what happens it leads me to believe that it's going to be an over. So I I like the over there quite a bit. One factor that we have not brought up and it's getting later in the year. um, And in the big 10, the weather likes to get crazy later in the year, I think, and I'll try to get to it while I'm talking here, but I think we might have a little bit of snow in the forecast for this Saturday in East Lansing. Um, And that could play a factor in slowing the whole game down. We haven't seen it yet this year. And, uh, we know what can happen uh, when the weather gets. <laughs> yeah, shady. you remember that tw- uh, twenty? What what year was it where we played at Nebraska in the snow in like a seven to four game or <laughs> whatever it was? <laughs> yeah, I uh, 
I'm looking at the weather right now. We're currently, and it obviously could change, but we're looking at 41 with rain and snow showers and winds of 10 to 20 miles an hour. So it's going to be a classic late season, big 10 game, gusty winds, ugly something coming out of the sky. Um, the, the, (laughs) the field surface always gets a little dodgy, right? Especially if it freezes overnight and then gets a little moisture on it. Yeah. We're, we're one of seemingly one of very few natural grass fields left out there. So, so it's going to, that could be a factor that could be maybe the only thing that could slow this game down. But even with all that, I like the over, uh, for all the same reasons you said, it's just not a game where the defenses are going to control the outcome. Um, it's going to be the offenses. I think if you're Jay Johnson and Mel Tucker, you're going into this game saying, I want to at least touch 40 points um, to give the defense a little bit of room to breathe. And, uh, and Maryland, they're going to find their way down the field uh, a few times. Uh, like you said, turnovers could change that. But I think our, our defense has struggled to turn the ball over, especially in the passing game. Um, last week we were talking about Aiden O'Connell and the fact that he's almost thrown as many picks as he's thrown touchdowns this season. And, uh, and I don't think we really got close to an interception last week. So I think I certainly can't remember one. The ball's going to keep moving down the field both ways. Um, they're going to find the end zone. If, if Kenneth Walker's hot, he's going to find the end zone. We know what he can do even against a good rush, uh, rush defense. Look at what he did against Michigan. So um, over last last thing, Kenneth Walker rushing yards over under one hundred and ninety and a half. Oh, geez, I thought you were going to give me like a one forty or something. Make it easy. That's like his me. season average. <laughs> I, yeah, well, um, one ninety. You know what? If it's ugly weather, we're not going to want to throw the ball if we don't have to. Give me the over. Give me like two hundred and sixty yards for Kenneth Walker <laughs> on the ground and six touchdowns. <laughs> All right. Yeah, that, that'll put him firmly in that Heisman front runner seat. I, I would love to see that. You heard it here first. We'll be back to talk about it on Sunday. Before we get to that, if, we'll have our picks. If Kenneth on- Walker gets 260 yards and six touchdowns, I'll, I'll think of something to send over to you as a, as a reward for calling that one. But <laughs> we'll, we'll cross that bridge the, when we get there. So the broadcast for Ohio State, it's going to be on ABC, which is an ESPN broadcast. Do you think they're going to have like the Heisman Trophy sitting on a pedestal on the side with C.J. Stroud in the game too? I, I wouldn't be surprised. I would not be surprised. Um, that and the national championship trophy. <laughs> yeah. So, well, they love to drag that thing around. Any yeah. chance they get to promote the playoff? Yeah. Well, you know what's funny is they'll bring those. They'll bring that. Sometimes you'll see it. It'll be like Pitt, Virginia Tech, and the national championship trophies on the sideline. It's like, all right, I get it. We're trying to promote this thing, but is, yeah, and then is it, this really necessary? It's a blowout late in the third quarter, and the commentators spend the entire fourth quarter talking about the college football playoff rankings yep. that do not involve anyone remotely related to the game that they're supposed to be. Yeah, talking again, it'll about. be it'll be Pitt, Virginia Tech, and they'll be talking about if if Ohio State could beat Georgia in a playoff game and it's like guys really you you can't just call the game that you're being paid to call save your commentary for after the game on twitter it's it's really obnoxious but in any case by the time (laughs) by the time this comes out we will have new college football playoff rankings we were a little proactive in our recording this week so we don't know where we landed in those latest rankings yet we'll probably touch on them a little bit on friday um we'll talk to you guys then but kevin anything else to to close out this one that will uh that'll just about do it my prediction like you said we've we're recording before it uh, I don't think the committee is going to put us behind Michigan. 
the, if the first rankings told us anything, it's that they, there's one thing that they value, and it was a head-to-head matchups. They even put like three lost teams ahead of two lost teams if they beat them head-to-head. Uh, I think they're going to stay consistent with that for at least another week. And Michigan State will stay one spot above Michigan, wherever that is. Uh, that's, that's my bold prediction here for the playoff ranking. That'd probably put us at six because Michigan was seven, and I don't imagine them going back. So I like that prediction. If, if it's not the case, then I think we'll be at seven, and Michigan will be at six. We'll be right there. Um, we'll know by the time this comes out. So you guys might be laughing at us. We might be at like 10. Who knows? Uh, but until then, Kevin – um i'm not gonna break tradition so i'll let you send us (laughs) off here (laughs) we'll stick to what's working go green go white take care folks